0: So a federal judge runs roughshod over the constitution, wanting to coerce religious healthcare providers to participate in killing babies. So kill babies or lose your job. Ohio Democrats openly lie to fight Republicans over legislation that any Democrat would have supported 15 years ago. And a lesbian Christian priest is named president of the National Abortion Federation. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Welcome to Unaborted. Thanks for tuning in today. Hey, if you're watching the show, you'll notice that we are still recently in our new studio. We're on episode 20 today. So thanks for those of you who have been listening since episode one. As we mentioned, this is a new show. It's a new podcast in the pro-life movement aimed at equipping and training you to be a defender and voice for life. Know what's happening in the country. Hey, you're a busy person. You have a job. You're providing for your family. You're a student. You're trying to pass finals. You don't have the time most of the time to remain up to date on all that's happening in the country, but it's a propitious moment in the battle for life. And you need a place in a community of unaborted human beings that will encourage you and equip you to defend life so you can remain knowledgeable on how to defend our unborn neighbors. And so this is a a strange episode, but that's becoming par for the course in our divided country on the issue of abortion. Podcast titles like today would have been unrecognizable uh, 15 years ago. And now it's the par for the course of our political climate. And so kill babies or lose your job. A federal judge strikes down a Trump administration's conscience rights protection, um, which was going to allow clinicians to object to abortion. Pretty reasonable. And the Trump administration has been very pro-life in this way with through the Health um, and Human Services Department, creating a new conscience protections uh, arm of the department To make sure that religious Christians and Catholics, religious Jews, people who are pro-life, are not coerced into participating in or even performing an abortion. And we covered one of these stories um, several, a couple months ago. So on November 6th, federal judge Paul Engelmayer of the Southern District of New York struck down the Trump administration's rule, which was simply saying, if you have moral or religious objections... To abortion, you cannot be coerced into participating in an abortion. You, you, your, your employer, the healthcare provider, can't threaten your employment if you don't participate in an abortion. Religious freedom. This is so. This is such common sense, and this is something that pro-choice Democrats would have supported in my lifetime. And now you're an enemy of the people if you want someone else who's not opposed to abortion to perform that abortion. <laughs> it's just unreal. So NBC News on November 6th uh, published an article by Elizabeth Chuck saying Mayer ruled that the so-called conscience rule was too coercive, allowing HHF, the Health and Human Services, to withhold billions in federal funding unless health care providers complied. <laughs> That's a hell of a sentence. Let me break that down this federal judge blocks a religious freedom conscious protection rule under the concern that it's too coercive. <laughs> what a botchery of the English language. So you see, it's coercive if the Health and Human Services Department threatens to withhold federal funding from healthcare providers if those providers are coercing their staff into performing abortions or assisting with abortions against their moral or religious beliefs. <laughs> so it's coercion to tell people, um, hey, there's going to be consequences for you if you try to force your staff or clinicians to assist with or perform abortions against their moral or religious beliefs. It's coercive to say, don't do that to your staff. And if you do, There will be consequences. How about just don't do that to your staff? How about don't coerce them into performing abortions and have someone else do it that has no moral qualms against abortion? What a botchery of the English language. So see, it's not coercive for healthcare providers to threaten to fire their staff who refuse to perform abortions. That's not coercion. It's not coercion to say, if you don't kill this baby, you're going to lose your job. That's not coercion, according to federal judge Paul Engelmayer. It's coercion if you tell the healthcare providers who are the employers of those clinicians that you might lose federal funding if you do that to your staff. <laughs> oh man, this guy should not be a judge. So this is this is interesting too, because even though there will there, there's probably always going to likely be another staff clinician who has no moral qualms with abortion, right? Now we of course we don't want anyone to kill those babies. But are we supposed to assume that because one clinician doesn't want to perform or assist with an abortion against their moral or religious beliefs, that that, that that woman seeking an abortion is just not going to be able to get an abortion? No, of course not. Someone else who has no moral qualms with abortion will be fine to kill that baby. And if it's not at a hospital, of course, it could easily be at a Planned Parenthood. So this NBC News article goes on and says, quote, the refusal of care rule. Was an unlawful attempt to allow healthcare providers to openly discriminate and refuse to provide necessary health care to patients based on providers. And then they put this in quotes, religious beliefs or moral objections, New York Attorney General Letitia James, who led the lawsuit for the state said. So New York Attorney General is saying that it's open discrimination. To not kill a baby against your moral and religious beliefs, even though someone else could do it who doesn't have moral objections to abortion. That's discrimination. To, and she says to refuse to provide necess- uh, necessary health care to patients based on the providers. And then she puts it in quotation marks, religious beliefs or moral objections, as if they're not legitimate. Oh, ooh, religious beliefs. Yeah, just ones that you hate, New York Attorney General. So she says we will continue to use every tool at our disposal. To protect access to healthcare and protect the rights of all individuals, except the rights of the healthcare workers who don't want to perform abortions. <laughs> so, Alexander Desantis at National Review, who just always nails it on the abortion issue, says, "Quote the scare quotes James implements here underscore precisely why the Trump administration policy was so necessary, and why today's ruling is another example of harmful legislating from the bench." For those who have deemed certain procedures, abortion chief among them, an essential human right, there can be no protest or resistance from Americans who refuse to take part on grounds that it kills a human being. That's exactly right. This is all about ideological conformity. And if you don't conform to the left's radical ideology that is not based on reality, then we're going to discriminate against you while— while claiming that you're discriminating against women who want abortions because you're a Christian and don't want to kill babies and believes that babies are humans created in the image of God. <laughs> that's, that, that's what's going on here. And this New York Attorney, attorney General Letitia James is a pro-abort if you've ever met one. I mean, the, the, the euphemistic language here. She calls it the refusal of care rule. <laughs> okay, abortion is not care. And you're not refusing that abortion which she calls care, to a woman, you're saying, I don't want to kill the baby, find someone else. (laughs) Oh, New York. Oh, gosh. Um, So are any women actually going to be denied an abortion? No, of course not. They can always go somewhere else. And in probably the majority of these circumstances, there will be another clinician or quote-unquote doctor at these healthcare providers who has no moral qualms against abortion and is happy to get reimbursed for the dismemberment of that baby. But Planned Parenthood obviously s- seems to think that women are actually going to be denied an abortion. So Planned Parenthood tweeted out a reply the other day saying, quote, a federal district court has blocked the Trump administration from providing healthcare workers a, qu- a hashtag license to discriminate. <laughs> so had, had federal judge Paul Engelmayer not stopped this Trump conscience rights protection rule, then then the Trump administration would have been giving healthcare providers a license to discriminate by saying, um, our one clinician right here is a um, religious Catholic and doesn't want to kill your baby, so uh, we'll find someone else to do it for you. That's a license to discriminate. Man, if you don't think that the abortion issue is about blood money and the uh, Planned Parenthood taking up the largest market share that they can, of killing unborn children, you are living in a fantasy. <laughs> Welcome to reality. The tweet goes on says court strikes down Trump administration's refusal of care. So it's a license to discriminate, and you're refusing care by saying this one person doesn't want to kill your baby. Let me find someone else. So is it discrimination to say, while abortion is legal, I don't believe it's right, and so I can't assist with or perform? in abortion. However, you can schedule an appointment with someone else here. <laughs> Discriminate. You're refusing me care. Uh, um, I'm, I mean, you're refusing to dismember my baby and let me call it reproductive health care. So one religious pro-life clinician that refuses to perform abortions herself is refusing an abortion to a woman, apparently. And I guess there's just nowhere else she can go get it, um, despite the fact that studies have shown for a long time that women do not have a problem with access to abortion. (laughs) The furthest a woman probably has to drive in our country to get an abortion is a handful of hours. And the abortion industry has ensured that that's true. So they get a larger market share of killing babies. Now, notice this is how it always goes with the left. This doesn't just apply to abortion, does it? It's always the same thing when it comes to ideology. We've seen this with same-sex marriages, and we've seen this for the services that are cater towards same-sex weddings, right? The left used to say, love is love. It's not hurting you. So let us have gay marriage. And then that's it. It doesn't affect you or hurt you. And we'll find people who are willing to marry us. And then within a a short handful of years, it became, if you who are opposed to same-sex weddings won't marry us, we're going to sue you and attempt to shut down your church. And then with Christian bakeries and with Christian photographers, it began, if you won't photograph our same-sex wedding or bake a cake for our same-sex wedding, despite the fact that there are hundreds of other bakeries and photographers in a 100-mile radius that would do it for us and would – probably be cheaper. If you won't do it, we're going to sue you and shut you down. You have to conform to our ideology. And you're discriminating against me if you as a single individual are opting out to provide your services because of your religious or moral beliefs. It's always the same thing with the left. And this is a really good litmus test of evil, by the way. A really good litmus test of evil is its willingness to force others to participate in that evil. It's evil enough to kill a baby on your own, but you really want a litmus test for for evil. It's it's when that evil pushes its actions onto others, obviously the ones that it kills, but then says also you people over here have to participate in the killing of babies or in the evil in question. It's always the same thing with the left. And if they they came for Christian bakery owners and Christian photographers and religious clinicians, they'll come for you one day as long as – we don't continue to fight for these most basic freedoms, freedoms that Democrats defended for decades until the last 10 years. So what does this mean for pro-life healthcare providers and clinicians? Well, it sucks. It really sucks. But nothing really. Nothing really. Because you see, you cannot under any circumstances participate in evil. And you know what? If Any of these religious clinicians who say they're pro-life and don't want to be coerced into performing an abortion allow themselves to be coerced into performing an abortion under threat of career termination, they were never pro-life, plain and simple. Now, it's one thing if, let's say, the healthcare provider is holding a handgun to the daughter of the clinician who's pro-life and says, if you don't kill this baby, I'll murder your daughter. But that's not what's happening here, is it? the only thing that they would be coerced with would be career termination. That would be really the only thing. So they could just quit and not be coerced into killing a baby or participating in abortion. So, yeah, that sucks. That's what that means for us. But on a moral scale, it doesn't mean really a whole lot because you cannot under any circumstances participate in evil, particularly the killing of babies. And this is not the first time we've seen this, is it? Even if you're not a Christian, you're probably aware with some of the Old Testament stories, namely Pharaoh commanding Hebrew midwives to kill babies, to kill babies. Exodus 1:15 through 20, I'll read it for you and give us some context about how long this kind of stuff has been happening. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, when you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the stool," If it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, why have you done this and let the male children live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, and they just make it an excuse to get away with it, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwives come to them. So God dealt well. With the midwives. You see, God honors obedience. God honors those of us who refuse to participate or be coerced into participating in outright evil, the killing of babies. And we'll talk a little bit later about how much God hates the killing of babies, particularly when they're sacrificed to our own idols or to pagan deities. And these women had nothing to do with evil because you cannot under any circumstance participate in evil. And if and when you do, you will have the wrath of God to deal with. Now, you can repent and have forgiveness, but we do not want to stand before God having been responsible for or participating in the killing of babies. So that's what this means for pro-life healthcare providers and clinicians. We will sacrifice our career before we participate in the sacrifice of children to the idol of self. Now, the Health and Human Services will obviously appeal this decision. This is not the end of the story. And so we'll keep you updated with, um, with additional news. And hopefully um, this won't have to make it all the way to the Supreme Court and will be overturned and protect our freedom of Religion, one of the most basic freedoms that even Democrats would have defended 15 years ago. So next, we're going to talk about Ohio Democrats openly lying to fight Republicans who, who want to give, ready, pregnant women more choices and not kill babies already born. Welcome to today's Democratic Party. But first, I have an exciting announcement. This fall and spring semester, in partnership with Students for Life of America, I'm taking my university speaking tour on the road. I've been telling you about this. It's called Abortion is Genocide. Nobody thinks about abortion that way, certainly not on the left. Many even pro-life Christians who don't like abortion have never thought about it as genocide. That's problematic because when we forget the lessons of history, as you're familiar with the saying, we are generally doomed to repeat them. And we're doing that again with unborn children. You see, genocide always entails the dehumanization of an entire class of human beings in order to make it more intellectually tenable to mistreat those human beings and convince the society that we can kill these human non-persons that's what nazis did that's what racists did and now that's what the pro-choice movement and the democratic party does to unborn babies and so i was at cal poly slow next week i'll be at university of nevada las vegas and cal state long beach and then i have a whole bunch in the spring but i have some more openings in the spring if you want to book me at your university as a catholic christian or pro-life club reach out to me through social media and let's get this brought to your campus thanks so much for joining in and we'll be right back right after the break (music) welcome back to unaborted well that was that was a uh, a bleep storm of a segment uh, to put it lightly and sadly this is becoming the norm in the democratic party this type of news this type of radical news from the democratic left is becoming the norm now you used to be a radical Democrat. If you supported third trimester abortions, you were out of touch with the American public. You still are out of touch with the American public, but you're perfectly in touch with your own party. That's that's just a tragedy. That's just ridiculous. This is why, by the way, you should share this, this, this uh, show and content with everyone you know. The amount of people I meet that know all of this stuff that's going on is like eh, hardly anyone. Very minuscule, and these are often religious Christians who are pro-life, <laughs> not to mention, uh, not to mention pro-choice by default people and apathetic people who don't really care about abortion, they have no idea what's happening in the country, and no idea how radical pro-choice Democrats have become. And so here's more recent news of that. Ohio Democrats have been fighting Republicans and openly lying to fight Republicans over killing infants. And giving women more choices, which you would think would be pretty, uh, pretty normal. Pro-choice, right? Pro-choice, giving women more choices. No, no, no. Pro-abortion, all the way, without apology, funded with your tax dollars. So on November 6th, um, Ohio, the Ohio Senate passed two very common sense pro-life bills. And pro-abortion Democrats are very upset, very, very upset that, that they, one, don't want to kill babies after they're born. And two, want to tell women that there are some other choices you have if you, you know, choose to not kill your baby or you change your mind, we can still save your baby. Very bad to tell women they have more choices. Very bad to to uh, not save the lives of infants who survive abortions. So Senate Bill 208 which was sponsored by Senator Terry Johnson, of course, a Republican and a physician, by the way, would have simply required a doctor to do everything possible to save the life of a born baby who survived a failed abortion. As I like to say, they escaped through the birth canal (laughs) and and they weren't murdered. The abortion failed. There's now a born alive baby either in the doctor's hands or on the table, right outside of their mother's uterus, they need to give significant medical care and attention to that baby as they would be required to give any other baby born in normal circumstances. Ring a bell here? It should. This is basically the Ohio State version of the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act proposed by Nebraska Senator Ben Sass. And Democrats have blocked a vote on that bill uh, over 90 times, and only three Democratic senators uh, crossed the aisle to support protecting the lives of babies who survived botched abortions. So this is Ohio's state-level attempt to do what Democrats wouldn't allow Republicans to do on the federal level. And so according to the Senate bill, from the bill, ready? This is all it says. Require reports to be made After a child is born alive following an abortion or attempted abortion and to establish certain civil or criminal penalties for failing to preserve the health or life of such a child. Could you come up with a more common sense freaking bill? Yeah, of course they did on the federal level. And Democrats have been blocking a vote on it for since February and filibustered it initially because they're the party of tolerance. This is infanticide. How could you not be on board with this? You sick freaks. (laughs) So the Toledo Blade ran an article by Jim Province on November 6th saying Senator Teresa Fedor, a Democrat out of Toledo, noted that it has already been a crime to take the life of a baby following an attempted abortion since 1974, something the bill's supporters conceded. Ohio Republicans are acting after Congress failed to act at the federal level. That's what I was just talking about. So you, so Teresa Fedor, the Democrat here in Ohio, what she's saying is we already have laws in place for this. Okay. It's already legal to kill infants after they survive. So why do we need this bill? Despite the fact that in February of this year, on the federal level, there was a unanimous, okay, unanimous bipartisan bill called Justice for Victims of Lynching Act, which which categorized lynching as a federal hate crime and made lynching illegal. (laughs) Of course it got unanimous. Who would want to go on record saying, no, I won't call lynching a federal hate crime or say that it should be illegal? Now, ready? Despite the fact that it's already illegal to kill people, innocent people, it's already illegal to murder people regardless of how you do it. You don't have to illegalize lynching for it to be illegal. (laughs) You think that's going to hold up in our legal system? Well, I lynched this dude. Well, lynching's not illegal. It's illegal to murder people. It doesn't matter how you do it. But Democrats were very fired up about passing the Justice for Victims of Lynching Act. And all the Republicans went, yeah, sure. (laughs) Yeah, lynching's bad. Okay, whatever. Throw it to the federal hate crimes list. We all hate lynching. (laughs) Okay, so apparently it was very important and necessary to pass that bill. Despite the fact that there's already laws in place that make it illegal to kill people regardless of how you do it. Okay. See the double standard? Bring it back to abortion. Senator, who is a senator, Teresa Fedor, which means she would have voted in support of the Justice for Victims of Lynching Act, says that we don't need this bill requiring medical care for babies who survive botched abortions because it's already illegal to kill babies after they're born. Okay. That, you didn't care about that argument when you passed the Justice for Victims of Lynching Act. You hack. (laughs) So. So this is the double standard nature of of our politics. And it really goes to show that she doesn't really care that there's already laws in place to protect babies after they're born. She doesn't care. She she doesn't want this bill because she wants to kill more babies. And she's probably in Planned Parenthood's pocket as well. So the Toledo Blade article goes on and says, this legislation once again is placing politicians between a woman and her doctor, uh, Ms. Fedor said. So same, same senator. If this bill becomes law, obstetricians and pediatricians would be forced – ready for this language? To deviate from their best medical judgment and administer futile and painful treatment against the wishes of the parents under threat of criminal and civil litigation. Okay, so who is this medical judgment and painful treatment administered to the babies they failed to kill in the womb and are now born so you see it's it's painful and futile according to this democratic hack to try to save the babies that you might have injured in the womb but have been born alive against the wishes of the parents so if the parents say what the heck you failed to kill my baby in the womb murder that infant already born They have to act in the best wishes of the patients, which means if they do administer futile and painful treatment, but it's against the wishes of the parents, then then, uh, that's wrong. Because we have to respect the rights of parents, even if those parents want you, as an abortionist, to kill the baby who survived the abortion. Oh, my gosh. Translating pro-abortion rhetoric into reality, indeed. Compare this to the Born Alive Infant Protection Act under the Bush administration in 2002, which simply said babies who survive abortions are human beings with human rights. (laughs) There's your synopsis of that bill. Unanimous bipartisan support in 2002. This is common sense legislation that every Democrat would have supported 15 years ago. And now... They're demonizing pro-lifers who say we need to give abortion survivors who are born the same level of medical intention and care as would be given to any other baby born in normal circumstances by parents who wanted that baby. This is unreal. This is so unreal. There is no moral – it is not morally permissible to vote with this party. Even if you're pro-choice, you shouldn't vote with this party. This is infanticide. That sentence is one of the most unreal – Unbelievable, disgusting sentences I have ever read from a politician. If this bill becomes law, obstetricians will be forced to deviate from their best medical judgment, that best medical judgment being we should kill the infant after it's born, and administer futile and painful treatment to the unborn children against the wishes of the parents. So even if it's painful to save the baby because you already hurt them in the womb, it's wrong to try to save them, even though it might be painful for the baby initially to save them. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So Cincinnati.com runs an article on this same piece of Ohio legislation by Jesse Balmert and quotes the NARAL pro-choice Ohio executive director, Kelly Copeland, who says this bill is part of a dangerous strategy. (laughs) It's it's a dangerous strategy to save babies, not not to kill them after they're born. A dangerous strategy of anti-abortion politicians to push abortion completely out of reach. It's not abortion. It's infanticide. Abortion is the killing of a baby in the womb. Now, you can somewhat in a dark humor way call infanticide fourth trimester abortions. But medically speaking, abortion would not be the words you would use if you kill a baby after it's born. But she says it's the strategy of anti-abortion politicians to push abortion completely out of reach. How? Did you read the freaking bill? It's all about a baby after it's born. She says people who need abortion care... Deserve support, not lies and stigma. Not lies and stigma. What, what, what's, what are the lies about? There's no lies in this bill. It's just saying if you survive an abortion, you have to be given the same level of medical attention and care as any other baby. This reminds me of George Orwell's essay in 1946 called Politics and the English Language. When he said political language is designed to make lies sound truthful and murder respectable and to give an appearance of solidity to pure wind. Indeed, these are pure wind arguments based purely on ideology and not reality. And that language by the pro-choice left is designed to make lies sound truthful and murder respectable. That's why she calls it abortion care. It makes it sound respectable. And it makes their lies sound truthful by claiming to care about women and not wanting to potentially criminalize clinicians who provide abortions because we're supposed to view them as heroes and advocates of women's equality. This is exactly what cultural prophet George Orwell was talking about. So that's the first bill that Democrats are very upset about in Ohio. Very, very bad to tell to, to tell doctors you can't, that you, you need to save babies after they're born. And of course, as I mentioned, the legislation also required that reports be made after a child is born alive. And that's because it's easier for abortionists to get away with killing the infants that they didn't kill in the womb if they don't have to report the fact that a baby was born alive. And so when you require that in a clinic, the whole staff know that. So there's more accountability and it's easier to track the babies that are born alive. See, this is this is designed to save more babies who were born alive during botched abortions because we unfortunately we have people like Kermit Gosnell who are serving three lifetime sentences because he was snipping the spinal cords of infants that he failed to kill in the womb. This happens. We should at least be able to pass common sense pro-life bills with unanimous support from with bipartisan support from Democrats, but Democrats aren't interested in that. They literally want infanticide. I don't know what else you could get from that. The second bill was Senate Bill 155 sponsored by Senator Peggy Lenner, Republican, second senator from Ohio. And it would have simply required a doctor, okay, to inform a patient seeking a chemically induced abortion through the RU-486 abortion pill that, hey, there's an abortion reversal pill. That's all. That You just tell women that. You just say, hey, here's some information, okay? Just want you to know. If you take Mifepristone, the first abortion pill that cuts off nutrients and kills your baby, and you change your mind, there's an abortion reversal pill that gives you more progesterone to offset the effects of the first pill and many times will save the life of your baby if you change your mind after you take the first abortion pill. That's an option for you. All right. You don't have to choose it. (laughs) That's all all the Senate bill said. Uh, here's, Here's from the Senate bill. Quote, to amend section numbers numbers and to enact sections numbers numbers of the revised code regarding pretreatment notice about the possibility of reversing a mifepristone abortion to provide notice about the possibility. All right. There you go. Very bad. Very bad to give women more choices. (laughs) Oh, man. There's no there's no pro-choice movement. You guys, there's only a pro-abortion movement. So how does the abortion reversal pill work? Well, you can go to abortionpillreversal.com and learn a lot. These are the people providing it. Really, really awesome. The abortion reversal pill, essentially, as I briefly mentioned, offsets the effects of mifepristone, which is the first abortion pill. Mifepristone blocks the hormone progesterone from getting to the baby to getting to the uterus through the umbilical cord, which essentially cuts off nutrients to the baby and starves the baby to death. So you're literally starving a child until they die. That's what the pill does. Then once you have a dead baby, you take misoprostol and that forces your uterus to have contraction. So you dispel your dead baby in the toilet. It's called a toilet bowl abortion because the, that abortion does not happen at the abortion clinic, okay? And governor, uh, governor of California, Gavin Newsom, is just forced, signed a bill to force Cal States and UCs in the state of California to provide this abortion pill in their university health centers. But we'll talk more about that another episode. That's how it works. It offsets the effects of mifepristone by giving you more progesterone to save your baby. And there's been over 900 reported babies saved from the abortion reversal pill, which has really only been being offered for a, like a short handful of years, two, three years or something, um, and being successfully used to save babies. That's wonderful. So a, since the same Cincinnati.com article uh, quotes Dr. Anita Samani, and she says, that's not true medicine. It's not evidence-based medicine. Dr. Anita Samani, who specializes in obstetrics and gynecology in Columbus, told Lawmakers Tuesday she called it the use of she called the use of progesterone to reverse abortions experimental. So what if it's experimental? If it's working, then it's saving babies. And if it's not harming the mother, then it's a win win. Right. It's not it's not leading to the death of anyone. The abortion pill would have done that. So worst case scenario, it doesn't work. And the abortion pill is successful. Best case scenario. It saves the baby and doesn't harm the mother at all. (laughs) How could you be against that? By being a pro-abortion hack who doesn't care about giving women choices. That's how. Well, who is Anita Samani? Well, she refers for abortions, defends abortions. Oh, and she's a board member for Planned Parenthood Advocates of Ohio. (laughs) And she wrote Ohio Governor John Kasich uh, Kasich, an open letter earlier this year condemning him for being pro-life and pass and and advocating for this pro-life legislation so she's a pro-abortion leftist hack so of course she thinks that this is this is fake medicine because it would mean less abortions and she's probably in Planned Parenthood's pocket (laughs) so so what if it's experimental it's been experimentally successful that's all that freaking matters there's plenty of things that are experimental but as long as they're not causing damage to the patient you're able to test their successfulness so it's been experimentally successful. According to the abortionpillreversal.com website, if taken within 24 hours of the mifepristone pill, there is a 64 to to 60, 68% success rate. That's pretty great. That's pretty high, actually. By the way, chemotherapy has a lower success rate in saving a cancer patient's life. I You think uh, Dr. Anita Samani is very opposed to chemotherapy? We'd call it fake medicine. Call it experimental. Fake. Because... You know, it has a lower success rate in saving lives than the abortion reversal pill does. No, of course not. This is, this is euphemistic Orwellian language in order to make lies sound truthful. So what is Planned Parenthood Action Fund's response to this, right? Because they're always tweeting about killing babies. So they, they uh, actually on their website gave all these updates about the Senate bills in Ohio and others across the nation. Here's what they say. Senate Bill 155. Senator Peggy Leonard's Medical Misinformation Act. (laughs) Medical Misinformation Act. Okay, go tell that to the 900 women whose babies are alive because of the abortion reversal pill. (laughs) What do you mean misinformation? All you're telling them is that this is an option It save babies, and if you change your mind after you take the first abortion pill, there's a 64% chance that we could save your baby. That's it. But this, you you have to use euphemistic doublespeak if you're if you're a pro abort because there's no other way for you to defend your position. You in fact are holding the indefensible position. So they say this bill would force doctors to provide patients with information that is medically inaccurate. And then they say there is no such thing as an abortion pill reversal. It doesn't exist. There's no such thing. (laughs) Man. Uh, what, what is it like to live as a leftist? That, I mean, just your head is in the ground all the time, apparently. This measure is written by politicians, not doctors, and is about shaming folks accessing abortion care and blocking access to a safe legal medical procedure. My goodness. So let's personalize this for a moment, OK? Live action news article release an article in June in June 2019 about a story of twin girls that were saved from the abortion pill. They were literally saved. Now, of course, there have been 898 other babies, but this was a really, really cool story. So I want to read you a portion of this. We need to personalize this because all this euphemistic, philosophical, disgusting doublespeak um, kind of of makes it easy to detach ourselves. And and certainly, that's what Planned Parenthood wants to do. They don't care about stories where women were ready, given all of the choices, while they claim to be pro-choice. So this article says, Alexis was stunned. She was about six weeks pregnant, undergoing an ultrasound at Charlotte, North Carolina's busiest abortion facility, a preferred women's health center, when the ultrasound technician nonchalantly uttered a word that would change her entire course. Oh, twins. Alexis wasn't shown the ultrasound, of course, but the impact of those words was enough. She'd always wanted twins. As her mind tried to sort through her emotions in this new piece of information, she was given the first drug in the chemical abortion regimen and handed the second to take within 48 hours at home. She was still in a daze as she left the abortion facility, but then something broke through. The words of a sidewalk counselor outside the clinic doors, it might not be too late for you. They can still help you save your baby, she said, the abortion pill reversal. As Alexis drove away, she pulled into the nearest parking lot and did a search on her phone. She found the website the counselor had mentioned and called the helpline. We got her started on the abortion pill reversal treatment extremely fast, said Courtney Park's abortion pill reversal coordinator for Help Pregnancy Center. It was a matter of of hours. With abortion pill reversal, time is crucial. At her appointment, Parks and Help sonographer Kelly Byram were able to provide Alexis with what the abortion facility did not the chance to view her twins on ultrasound. They were tiny little babies and they had beautiful little heartbeats, said Parks. I just remember sitting with her in that ultrasound room and her her crying and just hoping that this would work for her so that she could save her babies. Parks provided follow-up ultrasound scans for Alexis over the next several weeks, ensuring that her babies were still healthy and thriving. To the joy of Alexis and her new support system at HELP, the protocol worked. After about a month, the center was able to connect her with a doctor who provided her with prenatal care for the rest of her pregnancy. During that time, Parks and the rest of the HELP team kept in touch with Alexis, even throwing her a baby shower with the partnering ministry. She was overwhelmed with the amount of things she got, Parks said, noting that Alexis Now has her own little baby store of wipes and diapers if she runs out. She has everything that these babies need for several years provided for her, Park said. She told me if I had known what I know now and I had seen how the Lord has provided for these babies, I would have never even walked into that clinic. So she's just been overwhelmed with just how good God has provided for her throughout this. After an otherwise uneventful pregnancy, Alexis delivered her twins earlier this year. Park says that Alexis is thriving as a single mother and even has the support of her own mother who moved in with her to help with the twins. You know what this story is? It's just a pro-choice story. That's all. It's a pro-choice story. She was given more choices and information. That information enabled her to exercise her right to choose. To make a choice that she believed was best for her by changing her mind and saving her baby, babies, her twin girls, because of the abortion reversal pill, which apparently doesn't exist, according to the pro-choice left, is fake medicine and should not be the information should not even be given to pregnant women. You can't even tell them that it's an option. There is no pro-choice movement, you guys. There is only a pro-abortion movement. You cannot be pro-choice and be a Democrat and say that you don't want Senate Bill 155, which simply says you have to tell women that that's an option. Oh, my goodness. This is the denial of reality in favor of of ideology. Reality does not matter. We have to force our ideology and we have to coerce our political, moral, and religious opponents into adopting that ideology. There's nothing pro-choice about this. So this woman was given the right choices and saved her baby. So, I mean, this is what the pro-choice movement doesn't want. They don't want more babies. They want to abort more babies and they want to get richer off the killing of those babies. They know that when women are given more information, they tend to choose life. This is evidenced by the conservative estimates that say 80% of women who see an ultrasound of their baby will choose life. Conservative estimates. Planned Parenthood knows this. The abortion industry knows this. So why do you think they never show ultrasounds to pregnant women? Because they might not keep their baby. Meanwhile, they say that they are pro-science and pro-information and pro-choice. You can't maintain that ideology while being opposed to a common-sense Senate bill like this. So let's go back to our good friend George Orwell. <laughs> he discussed the denial of reality in favor of ideology. And of course, I'm talking about his book 1984. I read this in high school. I assume you read this in high school. And you'll remember the character in the book Winston, right? Who who is who is who's trying to trying to hold back the the forces of fantasy ideology and trying to not be coerced into saying that lies are truthful. And in the book there's a segment where Winston says in the end the party would announce that 2 and 2 made 5 and you would have to believe it. It was inevitable that they should make that claim sooner or later. The logic of their position demanded it. The logic of their position demanded a demanded fantasy. Essentially, not merely the validity of experience, but the very existence of external reality was tacitly denied by their philosophy. The heresy of heresies was common sense. That is exactly what is happening today in 2019. George Orwell and C.S. Lewis might be the two most powerful cultural prophets of the 20th century, both writing about what they were seeing in the 1940s. And of course, politics in the English language that we quoted earlier was written in the 1940s. The heresy of heresies was common sense. And the very existence of a reality outside of yourself was tacitly denied by their philosophy. This is exactly, this is a perfect description of the left and of the pro-choice movement. We're going to deny that babies are babies, that unborn babies are biologically human. We're going to deny 900. We're going to look at 900 babies lined up who were saved because their mother opted for the abortion reversal pill and say, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Two plus two equals five. Two plus two equals five. Two plus two equals five. Gravity exists. Babies exist. Humans are real. It's wrong to kill babies. And we now have a medication that can reverse the effects of the first segment of the abortion regimen to save babies. That is reality. That is external reality that the pro-choice movement's philosophy denies. So the heresy of heresies in 2019 is indeed common sense and the acknowledgement of an external reality. So what does this mean? This means three things for us and pro-life Christians. You can't vote Democrat. (laughs) Can't do it. Morally impermissible. Wrong. Actually morally wrong to vote Democrat. I'll say that. Morally wrong. Can't vote for that party. Just as it would have been morally wrong to vote for the Democrats when they loved slavery. Equally wrong. You can't. Nobody has a right to do a wrong. And nobody has a right to legalize a wrong. Namely, the slaughter of babies and the coercion of pro-life clinicians into participating with abortion. Secondly, this is not pro-choice. There is no pro-choice movement. That's what this means for us. There's only a pro-abortion movement. And we need to be saying that very clearly every day. We need to deny their premise that they're pro-choice. They've just proven it. They've just proven they don't believe they're pro-choice. They're pro-abortion. And thirdly, more Americans will distance themselves from the Democratic Party. And that's great. This is what the abortion juggernaut believes, you guys, and has believed for decades. It's just becoming more clear now, okay? They're just becoming more consistent with their ideology. It's always been the same ideology. They're just more consistently applying it in the party of death. And so more Americans who do know that two plus two equals four and that babies are babies, will distance themselves from the Democratic Party. And that's a really good thing. Next, we're going to to discuss a lesbian Christian priest named as president of the National Abortion Federation. Wow, never thought I'd say that sentence. But first, if you like this show and you want to hear more great content and commentary from the front lines of the pro-life movement, head on over to patreon.com slash unaborted. Just be a patron of the show. Five bucks a month, four bucks a month, ten bucks a month. Help us bring you better content, and we have we have cool stuff in store as well. Bringing you some more perks, as well as exclusive interviews with people in the pro life movement and those who have done other people who have done really cool things for life. And so this is this is just a one stop shop. You see, this is just a community of unaborted human beings trying to equip one another to be cultural, spiritual life warriors in a country that wants to kill. Babies, And in a country in which every Democratic presidential hopeful supports abortion to the day of birth. And so sadly, Greg Cunningham got it right when he said there are more people working full time to kill babies than there are working full time to save them. Well, this is kind of one of the ways we have to save babies is by rebuilding a culture of life and inspiring and igniting a spark, uh, a fire underneath the American church and Christian leaders who are ignorant about what's going on. And so they're not engaged. We need to equip and engage them to defend life. So become a patron of the show. Consider doing that. And that would really help advance life in the pro-life movement. So head on over to patreon.com unaborted. And uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Unaborted. Wow, what a, uh, what a train wreck of news on this episode. But it's important that you know what's happening. And so please share this. Please give us a rating and review and help us reach more people with this very important information and education. Uh, so we have a little bit of time left, but I, I just really wanted briefly to get to um, a lesbian Episcopalian priest being named as the president and CEO of the National Abortion Federation. <laughs> oh, man, that is that's hard not to laugh at. It's so dark. It's so wrong. It's like you almost have to laugh at it. So on October 30th, the day before Halloween, ironically, the National Abortion Federation named the, the, the very Reverend Catherine Hancock Ragsdale, a lesbian Episcopalian priest serving as the group's interim president as the organization's president and CEO. So she just got a promotion. She got her position solidified. So Daily Wire, uh, report on November 6th by Amanda uh, Prestiacomo. Quote, it has been a great privilege to lead this organization for the last year and work alongside the incredible and dedicated National Abortion Federation board staff and membership. The Christian Christian leader said, abortion providers are some of my personal heroes and modern day saints. All right, you can dispel the vomit out of your mouth for a second. It is an honor to be able to serve and support National Abortion Federation members as they provide compassionate health care. Amid increasing attacks and challenges. All right, just got to say it. All right, nothing compassionate about slaughtering babies. And the only attacks are the attacks on unborn children. All right, there we go. Reality. So the National Abortion Federation released an article update about this saying, Reverend Ragsdale has preached about how abortion is a blessing and has been active in clinic defense work and other activities to support abortion providers for more than 35 years. You know, we talked about Corey Booker last week, remember, saying that abortion was the most sacrosanct ideal in the in America. So abortion's sacred, and sacred means something holy or deserving of your worship, something that you bless, receiving a blessing. Abortion is a blessing, according to Reverend Ragsdale. She's preached about it for years, how abortion is a blessing. This is the definition. Of a wolf in sheep's clothing. This is the definition of a false prophet. And this is the definition of Satan masquerading as an angel of light. This woman is not a Christian. This woman is not a priest. This woman is not a Christian leader. She she could very well be demon-possessed. And if not, she certainly sold her soul to the devil, whether literally or figuratively, by, by heading an organization called the Abortion Foundation, the National Abortion Foundation. So what God does Catherine Ragsdale serve? Not Yahweh, not the God of the Old and New Testament, not King Jesus. That 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 there it is impossible that she serves that God. Deuteronomy twelve thirty-one says, You must not worship the Lord your God in their way comparing Israel to other nations, because in worshiping their gods, they do all kinds of detestable things the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters in the fire as sacrifices to their gods. We used to do saline abortions on babies, which would burn them with salt. It's, it's, it's very consistent to say that abortion has burned little unborn babies to death. But again, it's wrong to kill babies regardless of how you do it. Abortion is the modern-day form of child sacrifice, and intellectually and spiritually consistent pro-aborts admit that abortion is the sacrifice to pagan deities. Even if that pagan deity doesn't have a name like Artemis, then the pagan deity is yourself, and it's your career advancement, and it's your financial well-being. And when the Pharisees were seeking to kill Jesus, an innocent human being, just like the pro-aborts try to seek to kill innocent, unborn human beings created in the image of God. Jesus responds to them in John 8:44, saying, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. What are those desires? Well, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. What a great description of the pro-abortion movement, by the way. Ideology over reality, two plus two equals five, and babies aren't babies. The father of lies. They're serving the father of lies, and he was a murderer from the beginning. There has never been a more murderous organization in world history than the abortion juggernaut, than the abortion industry. There you go. That is reality right there. And so in 2 Corinthians 11, Paul talks about false prophets, He says, false prophets, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ, pretending to be Christian leaders like Reverend Ragsdale. And he says, and no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness, their end will be what their actions deserve. The end of Catherine Ragsdale is a horrific, burning, sulfurous end unless she repents. There is greater accountability and standards for those who claim to be leaders in the church. And she has a frightening eternity in front of her unless she repents. This is a wolf in sheep's clothing. This is a, a Molech servile and a satanic filled woman because there is indeed no other gods, are there? That's the whole point of the Bible, talking about the futility of worshiping of other gods, is because they don't exist. They're all false. It's all a fantasy. There's only the God, Yahweh, and there's Satan. Worship of any other God by any other name than Yahweh is worship of Satan. And that's why the satanic church loves abortion. And that's the God that Catherine Ragsdale serves. So what does this mean for us? It means we need to be spiritually woke. (laughs) It means we need to be aware with what what is happening. And the reluctancy of many churches and Christian leaders to call the Episcopalian church for what it is, an arm of the Democratic Party and a, and a, a... A worship to Satan is a tragedy. Now, is every Episcopalian church like this? No. There are some Episcopalian churches, individual churches that are still faithful to the Bible and to King Jesus, but they are few and far between. And the denomination has gone to Satan. The denomination has gone to the dogs, to the Lord of Flies. They are arguably one of the most pro-abortion denominations in America, the Episcopalian church. This is a married lesbian, pro-abortion president of a pro-abortion organization and claiming to be a Christian leader. So this means for us that we need to ensure that that we are aligning ourselves both historically correctly, but also spiritually. There There is going to be great punishment and eternal torment for people like this. And as Dietrich Bonhoeffer correctly said, not to speak is to speak, not to act is to act. God will not hold us guiltless. There is a spiritual divide in our country. And I'm not saying that if you're silent on abortion, you're morally equivalent to the president of a a pro-abortion action foundation. But you should be scared. We should all be scared to refuse to speak up and to stay silent. The Bible talks about that. It says you can no longer say you did not know. And God judges the heart. and He sees and he knows. So this means for us that we have to be faithful. We have to repent for not doing anything. We have to We have to beg these people to repent, share the true gospel with them, and be more committed than ever before to ending the greatest human rights violation in human history while proclaiming both a message of immediate life, saving the lives of babies whose lives are being threatened, and a message of eternal life to those who are hell-bound quite literally. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining me. Hey, head on over to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Please give us a rating and review. Just click the five stars. Give us a quick little review about what you think about the show. Uh, and that really helps us reach more people. Um, and then if you want to learn more and engage with me online, head on over to Gruber.com, S-E-T-H-G-R-U-B is in baby boy, E-R.com. You can sign up for my newsletter, get updates to your inbox, check out my speaking schedule if you want to come hear me live and local, and just get more resources to defend life. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber. And this is unaborted